0: Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, Healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger.
1: Hello, listeners. Welcome to our show today. It's October 29, 2014. We're going to be talking today about malpractice. And our special guest is William Harvey. He, um, he's also the author of, of a book called Malpractice. And we'll explore his personal experiences and his first-hand knowledge of what goes on in the world of medical malpractice. Apparently, he has years of experience on the front lines, and the clash between the medical and legal professions can be quite profound. Hello, William. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Hi, Denise. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. I'd like to start my shows out by asking my guest how you got on the path of malpractice.
2: Um, I was, uh, I practiced as a neurological surgeon in uh, California for many years. I'm now retired. Two of the caveats I should mention is, number one, I've been retired for a while, so I may not be up on the latest uh, changes in the malpractice field, although I have tried to keep up with it. And uh, the other thing is that uh, I was pretty well limited to California, which uh, was certainly one of the leaders in in what's happened in malpractice, but it doesn't necessarily apply to all states because uh, medical malpractice is essentially a state issue. It's tried almost always in state courts. And different states have different rules. Um, You may have seen that uh, Florida recently, um, um, the Florida Supreme Court uh, threw out the cap on pain and suffering awards, which California put in place in 1975. So each state has their own peculiarities in medical malpractice.
1: Yeah, um, I believe that we have a special uh, proposition on our California ballot.
2: Oh yes, Prop um, it, 46 is uh, uh, trying to deal with that. In 1975, the California legislature and the governor signed passed a bill called Medical Insurance Medical Injury Compensation Reform Act, or MICRA which changed uh, litigation um, on malpractice cases in a number of ways, but one of the things that was most noticeable is that it put a cap on awards for what was called pain and suffering. The cap was $250,000, and Prop 46, which is going to be voted on next week, would raise the cap from 250000 to $1 million. Um, obviously, the lawyers are behind it, but they have sort of uh, uh, camouflaged the the uh, proposition by uh, also adding a, uh, a drug test for doctors, and that's the thing they've been pushing instead of the actual uh, rise in the cap on malpractice.
1: Why do you suppose that came about?
2: I'm sorry I, I didn't
1: Why do you why why do you suppose that came about the wanting doctors to be drug tested
2: Well uh, there uh I've just seen a few of the ads for uh for Yes on 46 and they feature um a woman who claims that her I think it was her child was killed by a doctor who was on drugs and gave the wrong medication or something of that sort. But I'm not certain about uh, what that uh, what caused it. On the other hand, um, they do not mention the fact that the cap on malpractice uh, awards was raised. Uh, the no on 46 people have been uh, emphasizing that part of the bill.
1: Well, hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out.
2: It'll be very interesting, I agree. It's surprising to me that um, the lawyers waited this long to try to raise the cap. I thought it would happen sooner than this.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it all has to do with economics. and uh, Absolutely. California, I don't believe, is doing the greatest in that area, so people have to make a living, right?
2: well everyone wants to make a living um the question is uh, how high should these pain and suffering awards be because that uh, those amounts get passed on through through medical insurance and uh raising the costs of medical care uh hospitals and doctors have to pay higher um insurance rates and of course then they have to raise their prices to Try to continue to make some sort of a profit.
1: So let's talk about your book, malpractice.
2: Thank you. I'd you like to.
1: The, how did you come up with the idea to write the book?
2: Ah, well, um, for for a number of years, I uh, was involved in uh, medical malpractice uh, litigation, um, occasionally testifying in cases. And uh, at one point, I was the chair of a hospital committee to which every malpractice case involving the hospital uh, was reviewed by this committee. So I had a fair amount of experience in in, uh, uh, reading and uh, hearing about medical malpractice cases in California. Um, A few of these cases... Uh, stayed with me Here's I'm long since retired, but some of these cases stayed with me, Um, the details and the the personal tragedies and all that. And uh, about five years ago, I had continued to think about it, and I thought, why not write a book about it to sort of get it down and uh, I wasn't going to write nonfiction because the actual cases are well documented in the uh, in the legal literature. So for the first time in my life I decided to try to write a novel, a a piece of fiction. And uh, so I sat down and over a few years wrote this book which is um realistic. It is based on an imaginary case that I put together from bits of several cases that I had seen or been involved in, Uh, although the actual case in the book never happened. It could have happened because I I think everything in there is realistic and many of the things happened in one case or another. But I found that... um, Writing a novel is very different from writing nonfiction. And all of a sudden, I had characters because a novel has people in it. And so if you have a malpractice case, you immediately have a plaintiff's attorney Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: immediately have a judge and you have witnesses. And suddenly, I was dealing with people as well as the actual case. Um, I found it fascinating, and I found that these these imaginary people sort of took over my life, and uh, they came to life, and it was almost as if they were they were dictating to me what to write. Uh, I realized that a lot of this came out of my my unconscious and my conscious, <laughs> but uh, it was an interesting experience, and I found that over a year or two. Um, My whole attention was taken up with these people, and my my wife found that I was often mentally absent. She'd say, what's going on? And I'd say, (laughs) oh, I was thinking about my plaintiff's attorney and what he was doing, things of that sort. Fascinating. And I've heard that that from other uh, interviews with authors that often the characters completely take over their lives. It's a fascinating hmm. experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds like it. I personally haven't written any fiction. Uh, it takes a well, lot you of might imagination. Try
2: it. It's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> when you find these people telling you what to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I
2: also I had a serious... felt that the term medical malpractice is well known to people, but most people, most laymen, are not familiar with what it really is, what it what it takes to prove it, what if they wanted to uh say, file a suit, they were unhappy with their care and they were thinking of filing a suit, what it actually involved and what was in the in the case itself and what they had to go through To uh, get a case into court, so it was it was partly a uh, an educational thing I had hoped, as well as uh, as well as an an interesting and uh, courtroom thriller. I think.
1: They should make a movie out of it.
2: I'm sorry. They should make a movie. Uh, that's exactly what I think. I think it's. I have so much uh, uh, dialogue in there. Obviously, if you if you uh, have a trial, much of the trial is is talk. It's the lawyers and the judge talking. So, if you took that book and tried to make a movie, a lot of the dialogue is already written. And so that you took the words right out of my mind. It would make a good movie, I think.
1: Let's talk a little bit about health care. How can people ensure that they're getting the best quality health care, especially these days with with all the changes?
2: It's very difficult uh, because with all of these um, newer systems, such as HMOs and PPOs and uh, Medicaid, you don't always get to choose your exact physician in some of these systems you sign up and uh you have to take the the physician that comes and in some of them the first line of of uh, treatment is actually a um a nurse or a technician um you know in in uh, an outfit like kaiser healthcare kaiser permanente which is a good system and it's an HMO. But often if you call in, your first contact is with a uh, a nurse on the phone who is very well trained and can often handle the, the uh, immediate problems and many of them are handled that way. And uh, I understand that uh, there's such a shortage of primary care physicians that uh i know in california some of the uh pharmacies and uh, uh other uh markets are beginning to think about having small drop-in clinics in their um in their buildings uh, uh, manned by nurses and then uh if the nurse can't handle it, it'll be sent on to a doctor. But the idea is that many things that a primary care doctor sees uh, can sometimes be handled by a nurse.
1: Mm-hmm. They actually have some of those currently set up in certain pharmacies. In yeah, California, know at least in Orange County, we have them. Do mm-hmm.
2: you? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that it Safeway has built some rooms right next to their pharmacy section. And when I asked about it, they told me that that was their plan too. And I understand that Walmart is beginning to think about doing something like that.
1: Well, I just read an article, and it basically said that um, over 200,000 medical physicians in California have... um, Opted out or will opt out of some of the um, insurance plans.
2: Yes, right. Which
1: will leave yes, a huge void for uh, you know for patients. So perhaps this is one way to help the population.
2: It is, and and being able to choose your own physician is is a great luxury. But it it gets more and more difficult unless you. Have a lot of money and can do this sort of boutique doctor mm-hmm. thing or uh, mm-hmm. something of that sort. Otherwise, uh, you may be able to choose your physician with some kinds of insurance, but not with others. So it's a it's a difficult issue. If you get to choose a physician,
1: mm-hmm. uh, you well, choose reason, a good one. The reason the reason why the physicians are opting out is because there is in the rules and regulations, if they accept patients from some of these insurance plans, there's a rule where the patient doesn't have to pay up to 90 days. Uh-huh. And a lot of them aren't paying anything at all. Right. Plus, the reimbursements are so right. low that the physicians, their time, they just they can't dedicate their time to that.
2: I understand, so, and I... Remember a study that said that uh, the longer it takes to collect a fee, the less likely you are to collect it. And so, it 90 days may be the point where a lot of people are just going to say, "The heck with it." <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. hmm
2: that's, that's certainly uh, a, a problem. Um, well,
1: over a million, over a million people haven't paid their premiums in California.
2: That too, and
1: uh, can you imagine uh, a million people?
2: All in all, it's it's a uh, it gets to be quite a problem.
1: So, what and are some she, of the ways? That, what are some of the ways that people can protect themselves from medical malpractice? No, I was just going to so say, like,
2: say that in terms of of choosing a physician. I've discovered recently that the best thing some people do in town is to go on on a uh, um, a, a website like Yelp, and it turns out that many physicians are evaluated by their their uh, patients on Yelp, or one out one or another of those uh, of those websites where you put complaints in or you
1: mm-hmm.
2: put people. So I didn't know.
1: I didn't know
2: oh, yeah. that um, that Yelp I didn't realize that. that. So someone that told state. me, uh, and they said, just go on Yelp and you'll find out what people think about this doctor.
1: Mm. I'd be uh, more inclined to use the the other services that have been out there for many years.
2: Well, certainly some of them will will give you. And then uh, in California, you can. Uh, go to the state and find out if uh, there have been any malpractice cases against your doctor or how many there have been. That's available. That, that information is available.
1: Yeah, it just takes some research on everybody's part. Probably right. now it's more important than ever. Right. But even if you, you
2: locate a,
1: a position that you want to, go-to, you may not necessarily get to. <laughs>
2: right, right. <laughs> you had another question that I, I think I interrupted.
1: Um, let's talk about the clash between the medical and legal fields. Oh, yes. What happened during the time that you were involved in it?
2: Well, uh You're probably not old enough to remember the time that I'm talking about. I'm writing my uh, my book is about a case in 1972, before Micra. What happened was that, starting in about the 19 late 50s, early 60s, um, there were a couple of very um, very distinct, not very distinguished, but very well-known plaintiffs' attorneys who who were very flamboyant. That was it. They were flamboyant. There was a guy named uh, Melvin Belli and uh, several others in San Francisco, and they were getting written up in the papers because they were getting large awards for their clients. Uh, both in medical malpractice and in personal injury. And uh, it seems like, I can't say that they started this thing, but uh, it seems like after that, juries started to award larger and larger awards for pain and suffering. You understand that uh, there are the two sections of, of an award. One of them is for economic loss in other words medical care and loss of job and so forth and so on and the second one is this vague um uh, thing called pain and suffering and that had no cap on it so gradually uh, a jury would award uh, 500,000 and then the next year it would be some jury would come up with 700,000 and gradually these awards were going through the roof. Well, um, most physicians had insurance, malpractice insurance, so that the insurance companies were paying these things. But, of course, they then turned around and raised the premiums that the physicians had to pay for their insurance. Um, into In some specialties, those things became geographically huge. I mean... Up fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year for a for an insurance premium, well, either you had to leave practice or charge so much that no one would pay it or uh, go to another state or retire and a lot of people did so uh, this progressive increase is what led to this uh micro uh, law that the legislature passed in 1975, uh, which capped the malpractice pain and suffering. I mean, there were still big awards for certain injuries. Where if you were paraplegic, uh, say, then they would award you enough money to care for you for the rest of your life, and that was a lot of money. But it was the pain and suffering part was capped at 250,000. So uh, as I said earlier, I was surprised the lawyers waited this long, but uh, now they're trying to raise it to a million, which was not as high as it would used to go uh, mm-hmm. years back. Huh. Anyway, that was the that's the time I'm writing about. Okay, and, gotcha. Uh, California tended to lead the whole country as they do in a lot of things, and at that time, California I think was famous for this. Uh, these huge pain and suffering things. But now mm-hmm. we're seeing some of these happening in other states uh, that don't have the cap. And then in Florida, the Supreme Court just said the cap was illegal. Hmm. So, <laughs> uh, that leads Things to an vary interesting...
1: from state to state.
2: It does. But uh, if I can go on to the Florida thing, it led to a very interesting Suggestion as a alternative to the current way of handling malpractice. Uh, you've probably heard about tort reform, sure. tort being an injury which usually includes malpractice, but other things. And uh, this um, this uh, assemblyman in Florida is suggesting that the whole system be changed in Florida. And instead of having insurance companies pay uh, uh, do uh, malpractice insurance, he wants to turn the whole system into something similar to workman's compensation where it takes it out of the courts and the uh, physicians and hospitals, everyone pay into a fund that the state holds And then there is a panel of physicians, I suppose probably physicians and lawyers, who review every case that would have been filed for malpractice and determine whether it is valid or not. And if valid, then they pay out of this fund uh, whatever they think is the right amount. Um, So it cuts out the whole court thing and it cuts out a lot of the um a lot of the uh, um, testimony that now needs to be done in court to prove or disprove standard of care and stuff like that it goes right to a group of physicians and lawyers and uh quickly um so it cuts costs quite a bit so presumably and uh i think this may be present in one or two other states now. Um I read about it in one midwestern state where they had a fund but recently one physician had so many claims against him that the fund went broke. <laughs> they had to get additional well, it money. Sounds like but,
1: arbitration to
2: me. Well it's it's um it it's a simpler system. Whether it's better or not I don't know. Um it probably keeps costs down some. Mm, uh, I and in Florida, they haven't, they haven't approved this yet. He's just suggesting it.
1: Yeah. Too, many, too much money right. to make it not happen.
2: Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: So in your book, what do you think is a turning point?
2: Turning story. point... Oh well, well the big the big uh, uh the big um uh, mystery the big uh, point waiting is um as the trial goes along um it's a trial of a uh, a child has been had a head injury and was sent home from the hospital and then developed a blood clot in her brain and had to be brought back and operated on, so they were suing the hospital. Um, And there's an argument. Um, One of the the big points that I make early on is that uh, a slow pulse indicates pressure inside the head and there's a question whether the pulse was slow when she was seen in the oper- in the e- emergency room in the ER. And the resident says her pulse was slow and she should have been admitted, but the attending doc, the senior guy, had crossed out the the pulse rate and said it was normal. So if he had succeeded, then the case would have been lost. But at a certain point, I proved towards the end that he was lying; that he actually added that figure in the record room afterwards, and so that takes the whole case away from him and gives it to the to the plaintiff. So that is the oh. big turning point. <laughs> that's that's
1: that's a great that's a great story.
2: Well, I think so. I I liked it, and I think it would make a movie, as you said. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners,
1: if if you've just joined us, we're talking with William Harvey. He's the author of the book Malpractice, and he also has a lot of depth and experience in that arena um, as a professional years ago. Harvey, why don't you tell our listeners where they can purchase your book?
2: It's on Amazon and Kindle. Um, Kindle for, uh, you know, if you have a Kindle or any of those mm-hmm. uh, Nook or any of those things, you can get it on Kindle. Um, in uh, On Amazon.com, it's a paperback.
1: Okay, great. But, uh,
2: and there is a, a website uh called in one word malpracticethenovel.com, dot com," and that has uh, more information and a a, a small video and uh, some information about Amazon and Kindle.
1: oh that's great that's 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 great. Well, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for joining us today taking um the time I always appreciate the time that my guests give to our show and um I think you've brought a real awareness about malpractice and by reading your book that will that will even grow further
2: Denise thank you it's a great pleasure to be here
1: All right well um Listeners, please join us again next Wednesday for another great show and another great guest. And until then, I wish you all well. Thank you again, William.
2: Thank you.
0: We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.health medianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at healthmedianow and Facebook at healthmedianow. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book Got Cancer? Now What?